Hey everybody, my name is Jesse Collings, and I want to tell you all about my show, The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. On The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, we do a thorough analysis on the biggest issues and trends within the pro wrestling industry. We talk a lot about pro wrestling media, we talk a lot about fan culture and wrestling's place within general pop culture, and we talk about the broader influences that are shaping the way we discuss and analyze the pro wrestling industry. We've had some of the brightest minds in the pro wrestling intelligentsia on the show, including WrestleNomics host Brandon Thurston, both Rich Krejci and Joe Lanza from the Flagship Wrestling Podcast, Trevor Dame from the Through the Years Podcast, and a whole lot more. This isn't a show for hot takes. It's not a show recapping the latest episode of television. This is a show focusing on the biggest topics in pro wrestling and doing a deep dive on the real stories behind the surface level analysis you might find elsewhere. The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you gave us a try. Thanks. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To Euro Graps Express, I'm your host Neil David and we are back once again to talk about all the exciting events on the British and European wrestling scene. It's the middle of the night on a Saturday and I am yet again waiting up to see if our mate CM Punk addresses his enemies in a way that's going to be entertaining to me and I guarantee it is. Because if there's one thing we know about CM Punk, it's that he's an absolutely messy sod. And he's going to go out tonight and be be filled messy brooks, and I can't wait. Um, obviously, you've got a bit of an advantage on me. The episode isn't going to drop until Monday, so you're going to know just how messy it is, just how worked it is, who knows. But I'm staying up anyway, and I thought we should drop an episode, because it's been in a couple of weeks since I've spoken to you. Um I had a little bit of a panic earlier on, actually. I had my kind of heart skipped a beat. I saw a tweet from Shigehiro Irie, who, as you know, is the WXW champion. Or actually, he's not. That's the point of the tweet. He's not the WXW champion anymore. And I know that this evening, he faced Mike DeVecchio, <laughs> the Belgian war machine. And I, I thought, they've strapped up Mike D. And I absolutely love Mike D. If you've not listened to any of my WXW stuff or any of my uh, uh, GWF stuff or even some of the Hungarian stuff because he turns up on that, he's like if Brian Cage was an absolute chav and worked a little bit better. I'm really on the fence about just how good he is. I think he's got the potential to be great. And he won 
the, a, a title challenge and, and I thought, oh my God, they belted him up. What a bold move. You know, because WXW, I think if we're honest, between the big events, they, they find themselves a little bit of a holding pattern, don't they? And it's not very exciting, which is why we only drop him from time to time. But I thought, wow, strap it up, Mike D. But they haven't. It sounds. It sounds like, and I'm. I'm seeing this on Stringer's Twitter feed. I've not seen this anywhere else. But it sounds like they've done a WrestleMania Nine situation. Where instead of Hulk Hogan, it's Dreisker has come out and he's the champion. Uh, but what a shame! I, I feel like it's one of those things that I saw it and I was like, no way. And then I thought, but maybe you know, what's that gif of? Is it not a gif? That is that. Think of the woman, isn't it? And at the top, she's like, mm. and then at the bottom, she's like, well, maybe. It was kind of one of those moments. Uh, but Mike D, I can't wait to watch the match because I know it's going to be great, even though I've had the ending spoiled. I, t- I don't I even know if I want to watch this WXW show. I don't know the situation, but apparently the Arrows of Hungary have split up. What a shame that is. I, d- I mean, I d- I d- I'm sure it's a kayfabe thing, obviously. I, d- I don't know. I think one of them, I can't remember, isn't one of them like a a high-profile sociologist somewhere or something. Like, they were really, like, prominent academics. So I know the, the wrestling isn't full-time, at least for one of them. So maybe there's some situation there. But I think what it, I watched the situation, I watched the show when it drops in a couple of days, and it'd be good, wouldn't it, to do, like, an Arrows of Hungry deep dive. So if you've got any matches, any Arrows of Hungry matches that you um, stick with you that you think are really great, slide in the old dms in fact don't slide in the dms get on the discord don't slide in twitter dms because I, I don't read them very often but if you go on the discord uh there's a euro Graps express room and you can tell me all about your arrows of hungry uh matches in there um we continue the march to all in weekend uh, a couple more events um announced First of all, fantastic news for Pro Wrestling Eve. The show they're doing with Choco Pro, uh, or G- Gato Move, uh, is completely sold out, which is absolutely fantastic. Now, I've got to be honest, I don't know anything about Gato Move or Choco Pro. I don't think I've ever seen a match. I probably have. I remember seeing their name as a file in uh, the real hero drive back in the day. So that's about as, as as deep as my knowledge goes. But obviously it's a draw, isn't it? It's sold out. It's something that I know a lot of people are really excited about. And I think it it, it contributes to this, this festival of wrestling, doesn't it? There's also been two live podcasts announced. Um, first of all, the Grapple lads have done a live podcast. And I was going to go. Uh, I was thinking, oh, I'll probably head down to that, at least for a couple of hours. You know, they're doing a, an all-day thing with quizzes and, and all sorts. And I was listening to the podcast, and, and, and Benno and JP were like, get your tickets quick, because this thing's selling fast. And I thought, I know Benno did some training uh, in Hindley for GWF. I know he's a worker. I know he knows how to put bums in seats, you know. And I thought, there's, there's, there'll be plenty of tickets left. But it turns out, it was a shoot, brother, and there's it's sold out. It's gone. I can't go. So I'm a little bit gutted about that. But you know, it's it's fantastic news. What a, what an amazing thing to do, and an amazing thing to sell out. I think it shows that um, British podcasting is not dead, uh, despite um, my Twitter mentions. Um, another podcast that's been announced is the Observer Live, Observing Live, Wrestle Observer with Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez. I'm going to give you a second. I'm going to give you some information first. 
Then I'm going to give you a second in which I want you to try and guess the price of this show, right? It's Observing Live with Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez. It's from 10 to 12, so two hours before the um, on the Sunday before the actual all-in event. Um, you get a meet-and-greet photo, an autograph opportunity. Um, it's in conjunction with Wrestle Tours, and we know who they are, don't we? Old Progress. Guess how much they want for that. Have you got a number in your head? £55. £55. I, I love Dave Meltzer. I, I like Brian Alvarez a lot. And I know there's a lot of people who... I, I don't get this attitude they have towards Dave, Dave Meltzer. Um, that he's somehow a fraud. He obviously isn't, is he? And I, I don't talk about stuff like that because I don't want to... People are doing it disingenuously. Meltzer's an easy target and, and that sort of thing. And it's by people that I think they expose themselves when they open their mouths because there's this idea that they're criticising people like me for reading The Observer and the dirt sheets because apparently I believe everything that Dave Meltzer says. That's always a thing, isn't it? That, you know, it's just everything's for Dave Meltzer. Everyone, this big hive mind where everyone follows him and they don't know what proper wrestling is. Whereas actually, I don't know anybody that subscribes to the newsletter and listens to Wrestling Observer Live because they believe everything Dave says. What they like is critical opinions. And quite often, I'll disagree with things that Dave says. Quite often, I'll agree. Quite often, there'll be a, a little bit either way. It won't even be that big a deal. But the fact that those people are calling you out on it and assuming you just believe everything you say... It's exposing themselves, isn't it? Because that's how they treat their bishops and their cornets. They just believe everything that's regurgitated to them. They don't want to hear people with critical opinions and engage with those critical opinions themselves. They just want to go on a rant online. <coughs> Which, ironically, I'm doing now, so I'm probably going to stop. Um... It looks like it's sold out, to be honest with you. You can't buy tickets. It says they come on sale. Unless they're not on sale yet. I'm sure they said they're on sale. Yeah, 14th of June, so they were on sale this week. Um, and it's just sold out. Yeah, sold out. In fact, both levels have sold out. General admission and the seven-star ticket, which is VIP. Um, you get priority seating and you get all loads of autographs and stuff. That's sold. That's nuts. How much were grapple charging? Let's have a look. Let's get on. Let's see. Because it's... Oh, I mean, I like Dave, but the grapple one will be funnier, won't it? And it, the fact it's called All In It, I think, is absolutely fantastic. Um, £12.50, grapple wanted. £12.50. And you get another three hours. So, I don't know. I, th I think if you're going to go to a live podcast... I mean, you can't go to either because it's all sold out. But if you, you if you chose the grapple one, you've made the right choice. Anyway, we better talk about some wrestling. As I say, the WXW show has happened a little bit too late to talk about, but it sounds like it was really eventful, so we 100% need to go back and check that out. But for now, what I want to do is get caught up with um, RevPro, because it's been quite a while since we've, we've watched some RevPro. Um, I watched the... Not the Sheffield show, that's tomorrow. I watched the Stevenage show this evening, um, so we're going to get ourselves prepared for the Sheffield show and then we carry on the road to York Hall. So let's talk about a little bit of Rev Pro. 
they're in a little bit of a tricky situation at the minute, Rev Pro. I think there's a, a big change in the roster. If you think a lot of the things that we were watching and enjoying over the last couple of months have been based around people like Gabe Kidd and Dan Maloney. Uh, and with both of them going over to New Japan, um, joining the Bullet Club as well. I mean, that was uh, that's a great tag team, isn't it? Um, no, it's Clark Connors and, and uh, Dan Maloney, great tag team. We talked about how much we love that match. And uh, Gabe Kidd and uh, Alex Coughlin, and having them just people who want to scrap and want to fight. Did you see that Dan Maloney explanation as to why he flipped? He's, he's just, what a fantastic... He's, I cannot believe that six months ago, we were watching Dan Maloney's promos and saying, I'm really worried about the quality of these promos. Do you remember when he was kind of doing live things with the mic, like as in, in the audience? He'd grab a microphone and start shouting about it to to, um, to the live audience. And it was genuinely worrying, wasn't it? It was like, this is what's going to hold you back if you don't improve these. They were corny. They were uncomfortable. They, they were not good promos at all. And now... Absolutely phenomenal. And what an amazing little story as well to talk about. Saying that he joined the United Empire and he he ended up being bored by TJP and having Akira ask him if he wanted to go um, for bubble tea. Which, and then he had that match with Clark Connors. They met backstage. They realised they like kicking the shit out of people. And they went for a pint and decided to form a tag team because they both like beating people up. And the way he delivered the promo was was fantastic, absolutely fantastic. And I, he was he was a little bit shaky at first. I mean, I would imagine because he found out, didn't he, about halfway through? I know, I know Chris Charlton was tweeting about this publicly. Is he was saying about gaijin? Because I don't know about you, like I, I mean, this is a, a cultural thing, isn't it? If you're not in that culture and you're not invested in it, you're not going to know. But I always thought gaijin just meant person not from Japan. But there's layers to it you know there's levels and it's that words become loaded over time and it's it's not a word now that people in japan use it's not something that you would say about somebody else so i would imagine that maybe knocked his confidence a little bit i don't know but it's it's not long term because he's absolutely killing it at the minute over there and i I think it's fantastic what's going on for him but we're not talking about new japan we're talking about rev pro and removing this element as as soften the shows I think that we're going to look at I don't think if you if you're the sort of person like me who's got used to this big bruising style that Red Pro have been have been leaning towards it's, it's kind of not there as much anymore and it's 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 that constant thing about watching indies even though Red Pro is a high level indie one of the best indies in the world actually and I do you know what I didn't have the confidence to say that and then you listen to um, the flagship and you get Joe Lanza on there who's saying yeah it's, it's probably the best indie promotion in the world at the minute and it is but it's got a little bit of a different feel at the minute to what I've really been enjoying for the past few months um, so we're going to go through the last couple of shows we've got live at London 74 uh, from the start of the month uh, we've got live in Southampton and then Cruel Intentions and that's going to get us ready um, for a, a couple of big shows coming up I mean ultimately we're all building up towards um, Epic Encounter um, in a couple of weeks and then obviously to the 11th anniversary show uh, in the Copper Box uh, but Red Pro tend to think long term so I think it's worth spending a little bit of time chewing on these nuggets 
I feel like I'm going to be really negative as well, by the way. And I'd, I'm going to try and stop myself because I think there are a lot of positives here. But there's quite a little bit, uh, quite a lot of stuff, sorry, I should say, of little bits I don't like. I don't know if that makes any sense, but if it was just one or two of these little niggles, I think it would be fine because you're always going to have those niggles on no matter what show. But there's, there's just a few things at the minute. And let's get you started because th- this is typified straight away here. At Live in London 74, it opens with um, Luke Jacobs against Joshua James. I like the contenders division, first of all. It's been a while since we talked about the contenders. But basically, they're the young lions of Rev Pro. But they're a little bit weird because they're not young lions. They're people like David Francisco, who's he's like a veteran, it seems. Well, he is a veteran, but, you know, like even on our scene, he's, he's been around forever now. And Joshua James feels like he's been wearing those black tights for ages and they look old. So that it's kind of like a bit of a weird dynamic, but it's such a clever thing to do from a booking point of view. Because I feel like Joshua James is getting to the point where they can just give him a gimmick at any moment like they feel like there's a place on that roster for him they could just move him out give him a gimmick and it's a fresh start whereas in the meantime you've got a guy in black trunks who you can beat without any consequences Jacobs has had a a funny run of shows I think first of all what you see in this match is the best of him and this is the best match he had over this one of three and he's found I think a really interesting charisma because that was kind of what was missing wasn't it from Luke Jacobs he had a ve- it wasn't his strength his, his charisma it was always his work and his brutality and the way he fought and that's a, a special type of charisma but there was sometimes that little bit of crowd connection missing it was always growing and developing and I think in this you see that really start to come into play He's much, much more confident walking to the ring, the way he smiles, the way he looks. Much, much more confident. Um, They did the should I shake hands thing at the start. And I feel like that should be... Do you know what we should do one day? Just a wrestling 101. Um, I don't know if that'll translate well to people outside Britain, but you know Room 101 from... 1984 where you go in a room and it's your worst fears there was a a, kind of like a panel show i guess in the 90s um who hosted it i know frank skinner did the reboot oh it was what's he called from have i got news for you he's rubbish paul merton i hate paul merton you know why i don't like paul merton is because he's got that he, he makes these jokes all the time on have i got news for you and it really wind me up because i get the dynamic of the two panel show leaders is that Ian Hislop is the public schoolboy and that Paul Merton is the working class one and that's great that's a great dynamic comedy gold and all that business but the way Paul Merton does it he's so many times you'll watch him say I'm working class I only got one GCSE and you think just because you're working class don't mean you're thick do you know what I mean? Like, it's quite patronising I think the way he says that but anyway I don't know why I'm talking about that but yeah they send things into room 101 um, you go and you say, oh, this is the thing that I really hate. And I think if I was to do a Wrestling Room 101, this handshake bollocks at the start would go. I love the Ring of Honor style, if you're going to do a fight with Honor, is that it starts, you both shake your hands. You could do the two baby face thing where it starts and one just walks over earnestly and shakes the other's hand. But that thing of the heel holding out his hand and the baby face going, oh, should I shake his hand or shouldn't I? Well, obviously not, no. Obviously, you shouldn't shake his hand. And you're making yourself look thick. 
you're completely destroying any credibility you have. And I know this is a minor thing. And I know you're thinking, Neil, why are you so upset about a handshake? It just bugs me. It's just one of my wrestling room 101 things. Um... I mean, ultimately, Luke Jacobs here just does cool stuff, and he understands that. And I think that's what's really appealing about him and wrestlers like him. He's not a spot wrestler at all. You know, I'm not saying he's doing things purely for the sake of it. It's coherent, and it makes sense. But he understands that a deadlift German is cool as anything. Um, And ultimately, what I came away from this match thinking is I need something... I need something for Luke Jacobs to move into. And I don't know necessarily what that is. It might be, you know, I know he's got the gay kid match at York Hall, and I think that's something that you could work towards and build, but there's this a piece missing from him now of that next step. And I know I said that for Luke Jacobs, that he needs to prove that he can be the guy. And he's proved that he can be, he's proved that he can have those great matches, but now it's time to really consolidate that and see if he can take it to the next level, it's one of those things that you can never just stop in wrestling, you can never be stagnant, both as a critic, as a, as a you know, in any position, you know, wrestler, whatever, and I think that Luke Jacobs needs to do that now, I think it'll probably happen at York Hall, but in the meantime, he needs to do something, and we'll talk about what he does um, later on that I, I, I don't like at all. Next up, we had Zack Knight, and I'm afraid we're going to have to do it again. Uh, it was against Rampage Brown. Uh, we're going to have to do the Zack Knight public court and consider whether or not he's actually any good. Um, I mean, first of all, it started with Gideon Gray coming to the ring, and Gideon Gray came to the ring looking like the personification of a Sunday supplement from a newspaper. He looked like the embodiment of Marks and Spencers. He looked, you know, his jeans were just a little too stonewashed and a little too blue, and he had the blazer on. He was a bit like a second-run Clarkson. And if you think these things are insults, you're absolutely wrong. Like, I think Gideon Gray is one of my favourite all-time characters in wrestling. And the fact he didn't... I'm going to say it again, and I know you've heard me say this before. He needs votes for best on interviews. Um, Joe's interested about Rampage Brown. Did you see? I, I saw a tweet earlier on from uh, Matthew from Botchamania. Or Matthew, I should say. And he tweeted that match from Preston City Wrestling where Rampage Brown went absolutely ape on Josh Bottom. <laughs> I was there, I was there for it. I was there live in the building. I remember feeling really uncomfortable. I don't think I'd been going to PCW for that long. And I, I wasn't really up to date with everything in the stories. I wasn't obviously going to buy the DVDs, was I? So, <laughs> you know, I downloaded them. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't buy the PCW. Uh, I, I, I got a connector, downloaded them off LimeWire. Yeah, and I downloaded them and I refused to answer the door. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, anyway, these are... Whatever, what am I talking about? Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's funny, like, Rampage Brown be like, the NXT guys coming back, isn't it? It's weird to see them now. And I'm going to talk about one in particular later on, but it's a bit of that stink, isn't there? I don't... F- I, I, I think people like Rampage Brown, I'm going to get over it. And like I did with Eddie Dennis, I'm going to get over it. But I feel like they've got to pay the due a little bit and we can't review a match with an NXT UK superstar in it who's now returned with their hat in their hand without mentioning it. And I I, I think that, that that's only apropos and only appropriate, really. Um, 
this is a bit of a hold back to what it's been like for the last couple of months in that Red Pro kind of became the just have a fight competition, which I, I, I really like. Um, the the match though, okay, I'm, I'm just going to have to say it because I've got to be honest and sometimes you don't want to say things because you know some people listen to this and you know that, I know that people in, in Red Pro have heard some of the episodes and, and, and I like them to, I, I, but I've got to be honest and you've got to be constructive. Zack Knight did some of the worst chain wrestling I have ever seen in my entire life in this match. It was abysmal. It was absolutely shocking. And what made that worse? You know, he was doing things like flips and trying to do the, you know, when they end up on all fours and trying to crawl back between legs. But it was so stunted and awful that it just looked absolutely abysmal. Um, I don't know why he did it. You're not there to, to wrestle like Zack Sabre Jr., I just don't... It's like when you're watching a really good metal band and you'll get a guy who's a great screamer. And I'm not a huge metalhead, but I, I like a little bit every now and then. And you'll get a guy who's just got a great voice for screaming. And then you'll start singing and he can't really sing. And you just think, well, don't sing. And it's the same with this. If you can't do the technical wrestling, don't do it. It is utterly, utterly bizarre thing to do, especially against Rampage Brown, because he'll, you know, you want someone to batter you, you want someone to get battered, Rampage Brown's your man, he's brilliant, um, the ending was really good at this, big, huge pile driver, and there was a big drawn out exit from Zack Knight, I, I, I feel like we're going to go, for, and this is the thing with Zack Knight, and I don't want to keep bringing him to the, like say, wrestler court, and sort of weigh him up, because he's probably proved that he has a place on the roster, and all that business, and whatever terminology they want to use, but it, it just feels a little bit like he's going to do the underdog thing again, and he, he's going to see a story we've, we've, we've had with him before but you're not going to get as good as it was before because he was the guy that should never have been on that new japan show but got in you know through luck and finally got that rocky moment that chance to prove he deserved to be there and it feels like they've just been sort of dragging that story out and not really telling it for a long time and yeah i'm not sure i can be bothered with um with with that anymore um excellent line from gideon gray he told someone in the audience that and i this is a quote your mother is a whore. It's just, there's just something about that as an insult, isn't there? There's just no fat on it whatsoever. It's, it's pure distilled insult. The fact that it's about someone else's mother as well is, is brilliant. And he was going off about Maloney, which you understand because he's a traitor. Uh, next up, we had Hyen versus Sky Smithson. Hyen's going to go through a little bit of a, of a, a critical think here as well because I was never that high on Hyan. I know a lot of people really like her and I feel like when she had a, the last run in Rev Pro, she was great as that contender for a few of the other women on the on the roster. You know, she was great as someone to bring in because she's Canadian, isn't she? Uh, she was great as someone to bring in and, and, and have these good matches because she's relatively competent. But it feels like with the way the women's division is now and the way they're going to start to push her again, I just don't think she's a wrestler who can handle that push. I, I, like from a technical point of view, do you know what I mean? I don't think she comes across in the ring as being particularly believable, 
but it's been a while, so we need to, to give it another go. Here we go. Second match. Sorry, third match. Second handshake. Hyen went to shake Sky Smith's hand. Made herself look like an idiot because she's obviously not going to go for it. Um, there were some good strength spots in this. And I, I, I think, do you know what? What the women's division needs more than anything at the minute is to just build Sky Smithson as an absolute killer. That's what it needs. There's just such a really easy story here that Alex Windsor's going to come back and I think Sky Smithson should be just running roughshod over everybody. And she won here. Uh, sorry, she did. No, she didn't. She lost. I'm telling Phipps. See, that's what I mean, and I knew that as well. But to me, it seems so obvious to have Sky Smithson winning and kicking bum here that it just seems weird to have a lose to Hyen. You know, I just don't get it. It, it. it was just rubbish forearms. It was... Sky Smithson has heat herself already. You know, and then, you know, Windsor came out and there was all sorts of stuff at the end. And it was a weird promo at the end. And I I, I promised I wasn't going to talk too much about <laughs> Red Pro production anymore because you know what I'm going to say. But Alex Windsor came out to deliver a promo and start talking about, you know, she's nearly back and she's nearly ready to go and what have you. But she was kind of interacting with the audience, but they'd not mic the audience at all. And you couldn't hear what the audience was saying, yet she was responding to them. And it, it just came across really weird like she was having a, a, a one-sided conversation or talking to some voices in her head or something. It was just, it was bizarre. Um, you know, Luke, Danny Luna comes out and it's just, I don't know. I, I, I think the division's a mess. It's overbooked. I don't know where these stories are going. I think often in any kind of art or any kind of literature, movies, and especially in wrestling, Often the simple story is the best, and I don't really understand the story they're telling here with the women's division. Uh, next up, we had Harrison Bennett against uh, Robbie X. Um, Harrison Bennett, I'm I'm glad he's someone they're taking a chance on. I know he was injured the last time he was in Red Pro. I think he should have been back earlier than this, but he, he like I say, I think he dislocated his shoulder, something like that. Um, he's good, Harrison. He's got little bits that I, about his word that I really enjoy. Like, I love the way he interacts with the referee. Like, there was a bit in this where he threw Robbie X outside and blatantly cheated and did something that was against the rules. And he just sort of turned to the ref and was like, all right, yeah, sorry, I know, I know I'll stop. And I know that sounds like such a little thing, but it's just such a characterful thing, and it's the kind of thing that I really like and really pick up on. Um, he's definitely got a lot of unrealized potential. Um, and I think that's... He's a bit clunky at the minute, but he, you know, keep him around. I think I think he's somebody who's, you know, he's finding his feet, but he, he's one to watch. Um, Robbie X is a little bit of a funny one at the minute because again, Robbie X is another guy whose promos used to be terrible, but they've got a lot better. His charisma's great now. Um, I feel like I'm going to contradict myself a little bit because I was a big advocate of having Robbie X just do challenges of the week, and. I think he needs a little bit more. But what he does not need is what they're giving him now. In fact, it's not that I was wrong. I think what it is, is Mills has improved so much. You could do a little bit more with him than just have Challenger of the Week. And that would have been great, but we could do more with him now. And this cruiserweight story that they're telling is really bothering me. 
because it is such a waste of resources to use a neoliberalism that I apologise for. It is such a weird way to tell this story. Mills wants the challenge, Connor Mills. And again, talk about improved wrestlers. Connor Mills has improved exponentially these last few months with the new look, the new attitude. He's fantastic. And it makes perfect sense that he would then want to go for the Cruiserweight belt. But they tell the story over these few shows through constant, constant runnings, back and forth, attacking each other behind the back. What a crappy way to tell that story. What a crappy way to build this match. I could not think, I could not think of a worse way to build to Robbie X versus Connor Mills. What a terrible, terrible way to do it. Robbie X's thing is that he's a fighting champion. Have him have a load of matches where he barely clings on and just about, the weight of the championship is is weighing him down and he's got to take on all these challenges that he's never had before. It's harder than he ever imagined. But he's going to do it and he's going to fight through because he's the blue eye and he's going to do it for you. He's going to do it for the kids in Stevenage. He's going to do it for the faithful who believed in him for all those years. And then you've got Connor Mills, the arrogant technical genius who finds it easy. He's revitalized. He's angry. He's a dirty, dangerous fighter who will rest, who can wrestle better than you from a technical point of view, and he's not afraid to hurt you in the ring. Robbie X is finding his matches difficult. He's clinging on by the skin of his teeth. Uh, Connor Mills is finding his matches easy. He's blasting through. And he has earned that number one contender's shot. And he's earned it through this new attitude of true grit. Of not being afraid to hurt people and damage people. And he doesn't care how many friends he loses. Because he's had friendship before. And look where it got him. I've just said that off the top of my head and I don't get paid a penny to talk or think or book any kind of professional wrestling and it didn't involve a single running and it's better than the garbage that we've been seeing and the reason why I'm so angry about it, the reason why it's wound me up so much is because imagine we've seen what Connor Mills could do with a great simple story to chew on because he did it with Michael Oku. And when did that Michael Oku story start to lose its way? When did it become bad? When they started adding pro wrestling rubbish to it. And you don't get any more pro wrestling garbage. You don't get any higher level of pro wrestling rubbish than telling your story with a series of run-ins. They're going to piss this story up the wall. Next up, we had Connor Mills have a match. It was Dynamite Lee Dawson against Connor Mills. Don't know Dynamite Lee. And I think, was this his debut? I think it was. I know he's someone from down in the in the Portsmouth school. And then Robbie X, I'm not going to shout again. But Robbie X came in and attacked Mills. And he said, what a garbage way to tell the story. 
Oh, there's so many wrestling tropes that would make more sense. Put Robbie X on commentary. Do New Japan do that a lot, don't they? Put Robbie X on commentary and have him watch while Conor Mills stretches the young boy and stares at him and, and, and he's arrogant towards him. Instead, they had, I mean, he's good, Dynamite Lee, but he's a young boy. And, they, you know, he's, he's, just, oh, he's doing all these great strength spots and all these flips. And he was very impressive. But Mill should have beaten him in five minutes while looking Robbie X in the eye. A load of rubbish. This is one of those times when star ratings need to be thrown out the window. Because you're going to get your star rating match when they have the blow-off. You're going to get that. When it, whether it's York Hall or Copper Box, I would imagine York Hall. But you're going to have that match at some point. And that's when both of them can go in and give you your stars. But for someone like Connor Mills, he needs that solid foundation of story. And how they think they're getting it here, I have no idea. In the hobby... It's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club Slab Pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun. And sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs. And it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. And you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network 
Next up, we had Levi Muir and Shah Samuels against uh, Greedy Souls. Uh, Levi Muir is relatively new to Red Pro. I know he's had a couple of matches. Again, I think this is something that I was saying before about um, a bit of a change of pace. I know Levi Muir was doing jobs on NXT UK TV. He wrestled for some very, very small promotions. I'm looking at Cage Match, and he had a few for... He had one for Progress uh, that I don't remember, to be honest with you at all. And, he, you know, he's, he's done a bit for Sovereign Pro up here in Manchester, a bit for Wrestle Carnival, but he's not had many matches at all. We're talking one a month, really, at most. Um, and he's had a few for Red Pro. Um, he beat Brendan White at the last live in London. Um He's very much a pro wrestler. I I don't necessarily mean that as an insult because I think it can work. But if we were talking earlier on about the idea of RevPro being this promotion of bruisers of lads who batter each other, when you've got very natural hard men like Luke Jacobs and um, and Zach Knight and um, Gabe Kidd and people like that. Levi Muir's not really like that. He's very chiselled. He's very. He's got the Adonis kind of look about him. He's he 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 does the babyface fire thing. He's he's always working the crowd, brother. That sort of thing. He's very much a pro wrestler, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Especially if you're going to team with someone like Shah Samuels. I don't think it's this is a criticism. It's just a difference, and I think you're going to fall on one side or the other. And I, I'm kind of hoping that. Rather than go the Levi Muir side of things, they lean more into the Luke Jacob side of things. And that's not me criticising Levi Muir. I think he's got a career in wrestling. He really impressed me. I just don't know if it's what I want from my wrestling necessarily. Um, he's got great energy, though. He's got great charisma. Probably needs to chill the shouting a little bit. You know, um, works okay. Um, Shah selling was a bit much. There was an element of doing moves here just to be entertaining. Um, this, this match was... Neither in nor there, to be honest with you. It was, it was fine. And then we had Leighton Buzzard against Michael Oku. Really like the fact they're getting behind Leighton Buzzard. And obviously, Michael Oku's now just on this. He's got the match against Great O'Connor at York Hall for the big belt. Do you know what's weird about this? And this is another thing that's kind of bugging me a little bit about Red Pro. Is that I don't understand why they're obsessed with weight classes at certain times. Like the way they went on and on and on and on about Luke Jacobs' weight and Dan Maloney's weight. And I don't mind that in principle because you're kind of giving an element of the reality to it. You're kind of giving a bit of a sports presentation to it, which Red Pro kind of like to do sometimes. I know they can be very sports entertaining, but they also like to keep that grounded route. I don't mind that. Obviously, I think that's a, a, the way I prefer my wrestling, if I'm completely honest with you. But now they've got Michael Oku challenging for the heavyweight championship, and they're kind of obligated to talk about the fact he's challenging and wants to be a heavyweight, but he's Michael Oku. And I, I think if you... I mean, this is a minor thing, really, but I, I just think if you're going to... If you're going to have Michael Oku challenge for the heavyweight championship, stop talking about people's weight because it exposes things a little bit. You're not, you know, there's no benefit to bringing it up, is there? Um, clearly building up some uh, momentum for Oku, which is really good. Uh, great struggle at the end. I mean, Oku selling is just incredible, and he he can really do the 
you know, the 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 comeback, you know, the fighting baby face. He's he's so so good at it. Um and he's 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 on a great build. And like I say, I'm really glad to bring him back late and buzzard. I think he's probably slightly higher in the card than I would like him, especially when we see things later on um in these runner shows. But I, I think he's he's a great addition, a very smart addition, and not somebody who I ever would have thought. He shows that he's kind of got his finger on the pulse, Andy, hasn't he? He knows who to bring in and, and sort of recognise him. So that's live at London. A little bit of a mixed bag. Let's go even further down south to Southampton. We're back in Southampton, and we know that only means one thing. It's our favourite wonky hard cab is back. Um, I like the Southampton shows generally. They've got a little bit of a different feel to them. Uh, I think Southampton and um, the Stephen shows just tend to have that kind of more family-friendly kind of kid-based sort of feel to them, don't they? But that's fine. Um it gives it a little bit of a change, doesn't it? You know, you've got your live at London's for your proper wrestling nerds and then it's just a little bit more light-hearted. Uh, but we started off with Greedy Souls against uh, David Francisco and Joshua James. Um, Andy said, actually, on this one, Andy said that Joshua James might be moving up soon, which is great. Um, I love David Francisco. I think he's great. Um, he really took a battering in this and he really can. And it it, it was fantastic. Um, but it was obviously dominant, you know, Danny Jones just absolutely tying David Francisco in knots. And if you're going to do that to anyone and have them sell it well, it's him. They were dominant. Things like lifting heads off canvases, that kind of thing. And then Francisco got a hot tag and it was great. You know, just proper proper pro wrestling, you know. Um, talking about NXT UK superstars coming back, um, there was a video package at the end from Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster. And they're challenging the greedy souls. So very Welsh at the minute, isn't it, um, Repro? Which is great. You know, all those pro wrestling chaos guys, I, I really like them. Um, what do you say, though, about Andrews and Webster? They need to drop the WWE cadence if they're going to do promos. It, the promo that they delivered was very, very NXT. It was very, ah, well, I hear that you're saying this. Well, have you considered this? You're the weird kind of, you know, chat GPT writes better promos than they deliver in those promotions. And it feels like it's infested in them now. And I've no doubt that those two, are, you know, they're going to have a great match, aren't they, these two teams? Um, especially, you know, Mandrews is he's brilliant, isn't he? He's a, he's a great wrestler. I really like Greedy Souls. Flash Morgan Webster's all right. You know, he's perfectly functional. I don't know. I just feel like the cadence and the promos needs to change. Uh, you know, but the match is the match, isn't it? Um, next up, it was Connor Mills defeating Cameron Kai. Uh, Kai rules. Kai absolutely rules. There's just something about the way he drags a schoolboy out here. You know, the way he, everything he does just seems violent. He seems like he's on the... I can't believe. Isn't he like... He's not got a cage match. I'm sure he's like 17 or something. He's absolutely jacked. He's technically fantastic. He's getting the... I, I really think that of all this young crop of Rev Pro stars, and there's a lot of them, there's an embarrassment of riches in about five years' time, between JJ Gale, Callum Newman, Cameron Kai, Leon Slater... All these young wrestlers coming up, I really think Cameron Kai has has the highest ceiling. I really do. 
And I know Leon Slater's the one, but that's because he's a little bit further along than Cameron Kai. I think I, I think Leon Slater's going to be great. But I think Cameron Kai's going to be the one out of this little group. Um, Mills' aggressiveness in this as well. You know what I was saying before about how they should just have him wrestle the way he wrestles, the way he, he, move, he positions Kai. You know, wrestlers do that thing, don't they, where they just touch their head and it magically go where they need to be. But not with Mills. He drags you and, and wrenches you around the ring. And, yeah, just fantastic stuff. Um, great fight backs from Kai. I, I think he's an absolute natural. I really do. Um, I thought this was a, a really decent match. Next up, we had a singles match. Um, and it, we're back to the women's division. And it was Danny Luna defeating Hyen. Um, yeah, again, not the greatest match in the world by any stretch. Uh, I don't understand why they're going back and forth with the wins in this. It, it's just a little bit strange to me, the way they're doing it. Um, it's, it's just not how I would do it at all, to say the least. Um, next up, we had what I think was probably... Oh, no, sorry, I missed a match. This was before. Um, before that, this was probably my favourite match of the three shows. Robbie X defeating Wild Boar. Again, another NXT UK um, expat. Uh, and I'm thinking about weight again. They're going on and on about weight in this. And you just think, shut up. Um, they had Mills and X rowing at the start of this again. Like I said, they're just telling it in these really weird ways. Do promos. Tell things within the confines of pro wrestling matches. But then once the match started, it was great. You know, punches to open this. The punches were so mean. I don't know if it's Wild Boar's face, the way he contort his face into this violent expression just looks absolutely fantastic. Um, there was flips from the... Uh, you know, that Power Rangers move where he runs up the wall, Robbie X, and Wild Boar does this huge bum drop that was just fantastic, and you know, just, to use a cliche, he's got a snap to him, the way he punches, and the way he hits, and it's just weird, you know, and again, there's so many little stories that you've got here, I mean, look at this story you could tell here, Connor Mills is facing a rookie, Robbie X is the fighting champ going against White, the terrifying Wild Boar, there's so many little nuances to this story that tell themselves, but they're determined to tell it with runnings and all sorts. Um, and look, with this, we knew Wild Boar was never going to win. You know Robbie X is going to win, but because they're great wrestlers, they had you believe. They made you believe. Uh, yeah, then it was the Daniel Luna against Higher Match. It was, you know, rubbish. Uh, there was a distraction in this. There was a belt shot. Crap. Um... Then it was Callum Newman against J.J. Gale, and this was really good, and I like the story that they're telling with these two, is that they're both really trying to find their feet now. You know, they were contenders, they've moved up, they tried being a tag team, it didn't really work, and, and, and they, now they're wrestling each other to see where they can get. And I, I like the way that sort of interaction feels. Um, this was a had a much slower pace than I was expecting. I was expecting them to go out and just absolutely kill it and go balls to the wall. And they didn't really. Um, it was quite slow and deliberate. And it almost felt that they were preparing themselves for something perhaps a little bit more main event style. I mean, I know this is semi-main, so you know it's not crazy to think that, is it? But it just, yeah, it just kind of made me think a little bit. Um, I think they need something now. 
you know, they had the match against each other, but uh, I, I don't know. Like, it's, I think we're ready for the next part of the story, but the story so far has been really, really interesting. And it was uh, Irie against Oku. I'm an Irie fan now. You know, I genuinely am. I think after 16 carat, it really would be over. I was never a, an EA hater. I was just kind of a, a hater. I'm sorry. sorry. I, I, it's easy to forget that I am a straight G from the streets, but I was never a hater. No cap at all with that. I was never an EA hater. Um, but I never got him as much as other people did, particularly WXW fans. But I think I kind of, I am now. Um they wrestled this really well. You know, Irie got the power moves. Um, Oku thought he had him at the start as well, which was good. You know, Oku was really good at just showing that little arrogant side of himself that I think is really interesting. And he was able to just give that slight impression that he was dominant at the start and that he was finding it a little bit easy. But then obviously Irie went into power mode and... Oku had to go through that journey of realising he it wasn't as easy as he thought it was going to be. He was going to fight back and loads of great things in this. Like there was a twist avalanche um, Samoan drop where um, and Irie gets him on his shoulders on the second rope and moves along the rope and spins round and just unbelievable stuff. And again, this is just placement stuff, isn't it? We're all on the road to these big title matches and I, th- I think they're telling the Oku story really well. And if there's a, they come into a town near you and you get an Oku main event as they're building towards this, it's good, you know, really good wrestling. Um, Irie lost. Uh, he, he seems like he's going back to Japan from a bit, uh, for a bit. So who knows what's going to happen in future. But yeah, this was a solid, solid match. Um, next, let's go back. Where's Stevenage in comparison to Southampton? I'm guessing that's been off. Anyway, let's go to Stevenage. So this show was just about an hour ago and the live stream worked pretty well actually for the most part. I actually caught at the end and went back to the start and it joined a match in progress. It was a late and buzzard match. So I think I have missed a little bit which I will go back and check out and let you know if it's if it's worth watching. Um, but this was Cruel Intentions. It's a, 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 a name show. Um, not just like live in Southampton or whatever. They've actually given it a name. Uh, but Leighton Buzzer defeated Cameron Kai. And then we joined it properly with Luke Jacobs defeating Levi Muir. This is where what I was saying before comes into play about Luke Jacobs. This is where I'm getting a little bit worried. Because if you want to start using these advancements... that Because I think Luke Jacobs was great as he was. But if you want to start using some of these advancements that he's made in terms of his charisma, in terms of the way he delivers himself and that sort of thing, great. But the way they did it in this was by things like delay tactics, going up to the crowd and and, and giving, you know, making faces at the kids in the crowd. No, that's not Luke Jacobs. That's not what's going to get him over. That's Sorry, I had to pause there. My neighbour had the audacity to walk past. So you might have heard me dog. Uh, but yeah, that's not what's going to get Luke Jacobs over, is it? Ironically, that is what's going to get Levi Muir over. He was great with the kids here. The way he, he was able to, um, you know, point and get the booze and get, the, you know, and that sort of, not the booze, get the cheers. And, you know, he moted a very caricatured, um, 
not quite caricature him. He's not Hulk Hogan. He's not ridiculous. There's a grounded of reality to him, but in that very larger than life well that he was, he was really good at. Um, you know, the idea they kept talking about, you know, Jacob's playing mind games and they backfired and stuff. And it's that's just not what that's not what Jacob's strengths are. It's like we were saying with Zack Knight about him doing chain wrestling. That's not where his strengths lie. So don't do it. It's it's not a part of Luke Jacob's game that you ever came on and thought, oh, I really wish he was a better heel. It's the same when you watch a Zack Knight match. It's not like you watch him and think, oh, do you know the one thing that was missing here? Chain wrestling. So I sounded a bit scouse then. I mean, my, my wife's a scouser, so I get uh, I get scouse dropping every now and then. Um, live crowd liked it, you know. They liked Levi Muir, and it, it was completely to his strength, so that is what it was. Um, next up, we have Maya Matthews versus Hyan. Um Really weird thing here that they had, and I'm kicking myself because I can't remember her name, but you know the person they have on commentary a lot nowadays the, the the lady on commentary not geo um it was the other one i can't remember her name is it katie something i can't remember but they had her i think do kind of the thing that stephanie chase used to do you know like just give little interviews and things before matches and just catch you up on the show like the story that's been happening and i think that's a really great idea yet they've done it exactly once I don't know why. And it's great if it's something they're going to do more often and, and give the the live audience at home something a little bit to sort of sink the teeth into and get people caught up so you don't people don't have to watch everything. They can just drop in and out. But why do it once and never again? Just really bizarre. A really bizarre thing. And th- this is one of those matches where you, you kind of know what you're getting. Um, I think... The thing with Maya Matthews is, is she really needs to be battered. You know, she really needs to be really beaten down convincingly. And Hyan wasn't really able to do that. Um, I thought the work was good. I, I think, you know, at one point during this, actually, and this is worth pointing out to talk about the um, the production issues, I thought this match was dying. But it turns out they just not turned the microphones on because they literally turned the microphone on halfway through this and suddenly the crowd was alive and moving and making noise. Either that or there was a Smackdown style <laughs> injection of noise. I don't know, but it just suddenly seemed to come out of nowhere. Um, bizarre, really, really bizarre. Um, but yeah, the match was fine. Again, I'm, I'm just not really into the, the story here. Um, Talking about stories, we're back with Connor Mills. And obviously, Connor Mills is going for the undisputed British Cruiserweight title. He's building towards that match. Um, He wants to make sure he's in a good position, make sure he doesn't lose that title shot, I'm assuming. So, what's the best matchup for Connor Mills? Obviously, Lance Archer, the biggest heavyweight, realistically, we're going to get. You don't get much bigger than Lance Archer, do you? Unless they're going to do an Oku. If they're telling me that Oku's a heavyweight, they might, you know, tell me Lance Archer's a cruiserweight. And it's not my fault, by the way, that this obsession with <laughs> with weight. It comes from them, doesn't it? They're the ones who've decided that it matters or it doesn't matter. And one minute they're talking about it, the next minute they're not. 
Why not just do it like a TV title style thing with the cruiserweight belt and the heavyweight belt? You could have the Red Pro Undisputed British Champion and like the Intercontinental title. You know, they should have kept the Southside title if they were going to do this. Just have it as the Southside title as your secondary title and the Red Pro title as your main title. And we don't have to have this weirdness and these weird explanations all the time. Um, anyway, the match was actually was good. You know, it, it wasn't what I expected. You know, Con- this is what I mean about Connor Mills. If you've got to give him a story, he could do it so well. So he wasn't playing the chicken shit heel. He wasn't running away from the big man. He out-wrestled him. He knew that if it's going to come down to a fight, he's not going to win. So he didn't do that. He, he, he was cleverer than Lance Archer. He did the whole chopping down the tree thing that I thought was really exciting. Um... He, there was a great bit in this where he, he, he kind of mocked um, Robbie X. He, he went to do, sort of pretend he was going to do the flip and it cost him. That gave Lance Archer an opening to sort of regain control. Again, just little things that he can do that not many other people can. You know, Mills, he's got that great story, sort of mind for a story, I should say. And I, I think it's kind of missing it a little bit here. Um, honestly... This was weird because there was so many bits about I like. Like Archer really sold for Mills and it really made him look good. Um, but then there was a ref bump and a low blow and the steel chair came out. And it was just the corny wrestling handbook. And it, I, he doesn't do this all the time, Andy. And you listen to... I'm very, very fair about Rev Pro. I'm probably more critical than a lot of people are. But I know that I'm fair because whenever they just wrestle or fight or do something cool in the ring, I'll praise them to high heaven. But when they do something like this, I don't know. It seems to be a couple of times a year. We just have to go through these doldrums of really weird rubbish booking, overbooking. We said, we, I've said in, in reviews, the best way I can think of describing it is that Andy just sometimes books the shit out of stuff. And it's just not necessary. Uh, Robbie X comes out and makes the save, obviously, because we've got to tell the rubbish story here, haven't we? And then, then Lance Archer pins Connor Mills. And who's more excited for Connor Mills making this challenge now? I don't want to see Connor Mills get his comeuppance necessarily. What That's cliche. It's done. It's not very interesting. What I want to see is Robbie X either overcome... Steve, Robbie X could overcome this terrifying bad Connor Mills. He should be the cruiserweight Ivan Drogo. The if he dies, he dies attitude. Instead, it's just bizarre. Don't get it. Uh, next up, it was Gideon Gray against Robbie X. Um, <laughs> Gideon Gray had loads of bags of powder in him that the referee kept finding and he, he volunteered to give one over and he was, he was all very kind of what you'd expect. You know what I mean? There was some cool moves from Robbie X, but it was... It was it was the comedy match on the show. And there are very, very few people that can make comedy wrestling captivating. And I think Gideon Gray's one of them. So it was fine. Um, next up, Jordan Brakes against JJ Gale. I really like Jordan Brakes. He's someone who's finding his feet a little bit, but I've talked a lot about how I think he's got that little bit of sparking purpose. And the fact he's bringing it to Red Pro is, is, is really great. Um, he's obviously building towards this match with Zack Sabre Jr., which is an absolutely fantastic pairing. Um, really, really great stuff. Um, and this match was good. It was smart wrestling. You know, it was, it, it wasn't exactly the best thing in the world, but it, it was good. I enjoyed it. Main event time, and we had another 
Oku match on the march towards York Hall. Um, it was against Trent Seven. Now, I've talked a lot about wrestlers who went to NXT UK and, you know, maybe we've got to live and let live now, haven't we? And we we, we could be confident. It doesn't matter who was right in the end. You know, we were, but, it does, you know, it doesn't matter. We could just sort of move on and, and forget about things. But there's something about Trent Seven that I don't know if I can do that with. I think that's maybe because he was at the figurehead of it all, that he was kind of way up there with it. And actually, I know what it is, I, I think. It was, and I'm searching for the exact tweet now because I don't think we should ever forget this tweet. And people who... Um, <laughs> people know what I'm saying. Uh, people who know what I'm talking about know exactly which tweet I'm talking about. The hang your head in shame tweet to Justin Sizem. Uh, basically, if you, if you weren't around, this was when NXT UK was all kicking off. And uh, Justin Sizem was um he was um a wrestler he kind of disappeared didn't he i don't know where he is i'm still trying to find the tweet so i mean i could probably um read it out verbatim but there was essentially he was a, he was kind of an upper mid card wrestler he wasn't doing anything particularly brilliant but he, he wrote a letter an open letter to everyone and posted it oh, i've got it here i've got the letter he's brilliant so i'm doing twitter drama but we, we love this uh he wrote an open letter to british wrestling um and he's saying these words are my own um and last week it came to light that through uh, you know independent uk promotions the future's been left uncertain because there was all these things weren't there that people could still work for nxt but then still work for um their home promotions and that turned out but shock horror that wasn't the case and basically justin sizem stuck his flag in the ground for independence and said look i'm i'm not prepared to do that i don't think that's right um i fear he says i personally fear for a future not too far away where wwe has succeeded in its mission and as a consequence destroyed much of our thriving domestic scene said that he said what we're all thinking it's, it's true wasn't it and he says i hereby pledge um to follow in the footsteps of the great british wrestlers that have come before me and carry on building the british scene and i think people kind of laughed at him a little bit you know because he was just in size and he, he wasn't um you know let's have a look at what he's doing now you know he wasn't exactly someone who was who was troubling yeah he's not he's not tweeted for two years so he might just be off twitter i don't know uh but you know he, 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 he was a nice sentiment that most people i think on the scene agreed with and trent seven's response was to tell him to hang his head in shame he said hang your head in shame he said let me find it i've got the tweet here hang your head in shame justin We've all worked incredibly hard over the past few years to create a thriving scene for all levels of talent to perform on. Delete your tweet and stop attention seeking. What an idiot. I don't believe that Trent Seven was so stupid to be, uh, stupid enough to believe that. Ridiculous thing. And I can't get that out of my head when I see Trent Seven now. And I know it's pathetic. I know I should probably move on and just forget about it. Because he's actually, he's an alright wrestler. He's perfectly fine. But, you know, you can't join NXT UK 
and well, you can join NXT UK and get away with it, but you can't be NXT UK's cheerleader and then come back to the scene that you thought that you. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Um, yeah, the match was okay. Uh, it, it it was it was fine. There was some great body slams in it from Trent Seven, so he was obviously practicing those in the warehouse. Um, <coughs> fine wrestling. Uh, Trent Seven stuck his head in a freezer at one point, and we all laughed. You know, it was hilarious. Uh, and then uh, Leighton Buzzard came out and interfered and ruined it all. So we've had another run-in from RevPro. Trent Seven wins. All right. I've had me dig at Trent Seven. Now I'll move on. He's a perfectly fine wrestler. I'm sure we'll, we'll be able to look at it with an open mind next time. But why is Leighton Buzzard running in and, and doing distractions? What is up with RevPro at the minute? What is up with him? Am I in, in any doubt that York Hall will be an absolute banging show? Of course I'm not. Am I in any doubt that that show at the Copper Box might be the best British independent show of all time? Every chance that's going to happen. I'm confident that that might happen. In fact, I'm confident it will happen. But what RevPro had done is they built up this cultural capital that a wrestling fan could watch these shows and watch every single show. They justified signing up and trying to watch live when they allowed us, and watching them within a couple of days of them coming up and keeping up with the stories. And they'd started to grow into this really interesting promotion again with violence and proper wrestling. Yet now we've just gone back to what it was like a few years ago when they went through that six months of run-ins and nonsense. I wrote an article ages ago um, for Voices of Wrestling. It was one of the first things I ever wrote. And it was kind of the thing that, not put me on the map, obviously, I'm not that arrogant, but it was the first thing that I did that kind of went a few places. Like I remember, it, it, it sounds really silly now, but I remember Grapple reading out an extract to it. Uh, that might have even been, it would have been when it was the spotlight, I think, uh, back in, when, on the indie corner. And I was just really chuffed that this article I'd written had... had, had um, people had agreed with and it was it was during all that time when there was a few between Pac, Osprey and Zack Sabre Jr. and there was just loads of rubbish of 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 runnings and, and, and cheating and that sort of thing. And you know, people purposely leaving matches and it just doesn't sit right with what RevPro are. It doesn't sit right with what RevPro are doing. And the question that I asked in that article is is RevPro okay? Like, what's going on? Have they lost their mind? And they were starting to build a reputation of a company that promised things and didn't deliver them. And I don't think we're anywhere near that stage yet. But I think we need to nip this running, this pro wrestling, uh, not pro wrestling, this sports entertainment culture needs to be nipped in the bud. Because we've done this before with RevPro. And I know Andy loves 90s WWF and WCW. I know he likes that sort of thing. But you just think you've built a company on being different and being proper wrestling. And I know he loves that as well. 
And I know he can book that, and he's just not. And I, I, I'm just really confused by what's going on at the minute. And uh, these last few shows that I've seen have just, I'm quite taken aback with, with what I'm watching, and I'm not excited for Red Pro at the minute, which is a shame. It feels like a long time since I've come on here and been, been properly negative about Red Pro. Always have niggles, I always do. But the thing with the niggles is, and this is something that I've always said about Red Pro, is they're worth chewing on. You never feel like you're wasting your time with Red Pro. Whereas with this show, to be honest with you, I felt like I kind of wasted my time. So by the time you listen to this, you'll have seen the Sheffield show, which does look a little bit more interesting, actually. You've got a Will Ospreay match on that against Callum Newman. You've got Lance Archer against Rampage Brown. I bet that's amazing. Uh, Trent Severn against Erie, which could be okay. We're going to leave Trent Severn alone for a bit now. We're going to give him his best shot. We're going to let him have a... We've had our dig. We've brought up the tweet. He deserved that. But we're going to let him have a good bite at the cherry. Um, yeah, we'll see what that show was like. I mean, I'm, I'm sure, I'm absolutely sure that like I say, the Epic Encounter show and the uh, 11th anniversary show is going to be fantastic. But for now, we're not getting much of that. Anyway, let's wrap things up. Do you know, I think next week we need to have a segment um, of toxic positivity. I need to be like those weird critics that go out the way to say how much they like things. Let's try and find the best. And this is going to be our mission over the next two weeks, to try and find the best Arrows of Hungry match. So send it to me. You know, send it over. We'll find out what it's like. In fact, I'm going to put it in the Discord in a minute. And I, I want you to tell me what you think the best Arrows of Hungry match of all time is. And we'll find it and we'll watch it. And we'll have 10 minutes of, of forced positivity because I feel a little bit grumpy to be honest with you and I've had a really good day I've had uh, steak free for me tea I've had uh, <laughs> I had a feast for me pudding that the, were the best ice cream in my opinion um, I don't know feast or calippo I mean home ice cream because obviously the best ice cream is a 99 isn't it? you can't get away from that it's just a comb with a flake in it maybe not the traditional cone, but if you can get it, the waffle cone, I think, takes things to another level. But that's not essential. But it, the whippy ice cream with the flaking is the best. But if you're at home, do you know what? i tell you what, actually, there's a little bit of a contender. If you go to Iceland, I don't know if this is true this year, but last year they had sweet shop ice creams. So there was blackjack, fruit salad, foam bananas. Um, I'm probably forgetting one. Um, there was loads of really good ones let's go on the iceland website now and see if we can uh see if we can see it do they do home delivery and stuff because this is because obviously it's too hot for cheese i love cheese and crackers but it's too warm for it at the minute oh but yeah look they've got cola bottles now wham rockets um hubba bubba ice lollies strawberry milkshakes you know the sort of little foamy things you get they've got those um Roundtree watermelons, that's a throwback. They've got those. Um, oh, this has really cheered me up, this, thinking about ice creams. Because it, it, it's been bloody boiling, hasn't it? Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm waffling now. I'm turning to... I'm not going to go full Alan Partridge on this show. This is a, a serious podcast where we do serious criticism. Um, have a lovely fortnight. Don't forget, as I say, get in the Discord. Um, there's a Eurograps Express room. Tell me what your favourite Arrows of Hungry match of all time is, and we'll talk about some of them next week. All right. See you in a bit. Have a good one.
My name is Tyler Fornis, and I am one of the co-hosts of the Good, the Bad, and the Hungi AEW podcast here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcasting Network. We take a broad scope approach to the world of all elite wrestling and the entire universe of Tony Khan. We talk about the big matches, the big stars, the promos, the storylines. And we also look at it from a big picture perspective. How are things going to change over the course of the next 10 years with AEW still in the picture? How are companies like WWE going to adapt and adjust to AEW? Are they going to be a similar way like they did with WCW in the late 1990s? Will there be a counterpunch? We talk about all of that and more on the good, the bad, and the hungry every week on the Voice of Wrestling Network.